everybody. Welcome to D Bronx Podcast, your number one source for all fan-based news and analysis regarding the Denver Broncos. My name is Austin. I'm joined here with Kevin. Hello. And Ian. How's it going? Well, uh, I would say that we are all on a little bit of a cloud nine because of uh, a ridiculous game that took place last night. We are recording this on Monday. So the Broncos' comeback win over the Chargers, where we won 31-30 to on the last play of the game, uh, just happened last night, so this is all pretty fresh uh, to all of us. And uh, I just want to dive right in. I want to talk about all the different ins and outs of this game. Uh, Ian, we'll start with you. I just want to kind of get your first thoughts uh, of the game, and how do you feel coming out? Well, I feel pretty good. I mean, a lot better than I did going into halftime. <laughs> oh my God! One hundred percent. I mean, I thought I was like, "Wow, this is uh, this is this is not an offense that I I can support." Um, but I thought, um, apparently, when they went in the locker room, a lot of cussing, a lot of yelling, a lot of pointing fingers, and Drew Locke took the leadership role. Yeah. He had a speech. Everybody got behind it because he blamed himself for most of the problems. Which I love when a quarterback is not, you know, he doesn't start. You know, blaming people, pointing fingers. He, yeah, he literally just came in there and said, "This is on me. I'm sorry," and walked out, and literally, completely turned on the ball game around. Completely turned the, the the defense this time actually saved. Offense actually saved the defense this time. It, um, in some ways, yeah. After in the some defense ways. had kind of, to me, it looked like the defense had kind of gotten deflated by the lack of production of the offense. Exactly. Kind of threw in the towel, and when the offense started producing a little bit more late in the third quarter, fourth quarter, then the defense came back to life. They're like, okay, exactly. maybe we do have something to play for here. I think we had like key plays from players that sometimes we kind of, you know, hit on. Like, uh, I think one of the best plays of the game was Melvin Gordon's one-handed catch that. Oh and, man! And converted then, the third oh, down the into third. A first I mean, down. it was inches. Sean Hamilton, we haven't seen him all year. We've just been complaining about him dropping balls. Comes in with a third and eight that's set up for the Lindsay touchdown. And then he yes. had the big 40-yard touchdown, which we're like, oh, man, wow. This is awesome to see him getting his, you know, you know, getting his steps back in. And I, I think yeah. the only thing that I, I knew why it was probably because of game script and stuff like that, had to get Philip Lindsay more involved in the game. Even though we're winning the game, six rushes. Six carries, seven touches. Come on, you got to get Mr. You best you, player on the team. Got to get Mr. Colorado more involved. But other than that, I'll keep that short. Um, that 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 fourth quarter, it just like I was like I was telling you, I was like, this is like this is like watching like Tim Tebow led offense <laughs> it, in 2011. Like you know, <laughs> like, it felt like that. Like I was like, is, did, where everything is, is Tebow terrible on the sideline. Three quarters. <laughs> Like you just <laughs> stink for three quarters, then you're like holding my beer. Yeah, and then it just and, and then we, I mean, unprobable win. I think uh, when it was twenty four to three, they had a ninety eight point eight chance to win that game. I I was emotionally exhausted after that game. Kevin, we'll go to you. Let's get your first thoughts. So, uh, yes, that was quite a game. And when I see a game like that game. It reminds me of why I've been a sports fan 
for my entire <laughs> life. Yeah. Sports are so unpredictable. There's nothing else in life that gives you that level of excitement, um, anticipation. Depression. It was just such a thrilling comeback. And, it, and and the other thing I said before we went on air, that was Mile High Magic. As as an old timer here, you know, going back to the Elway days, that used yeah. to be routine. You know, Broncos yeah. would get beat up and miracle comeback. Those comebacks, man. We pull it out, but that was Mile High Magic. And thank goodness we won the game because if we didn't win that game, season is shot for you know all practical purposes yeah, yeah. and then it would have been the first time in our broncos history that we started out 0-4 at home so we avoided that uh there's um renewed enthusiasm and we can only hope that you know the offense um has found its footing um after a really tough start of the season um but yeah it feels a lot better today than it did uh beginning of the second half yesterday yeah, I uh, agree. The Mile High Magic was definitely there in that fourth quarter, even with only, mm. what, 5,700 people being in the stands at that point. You sure could hear them boos, though. The, oh, man, you could hear those <laughs> boos throughout most of the game. The um, Oh, I just – I don't even know where to begin. I'm going to, you know, keep my kind of first thoughts short. I want to get into – kind of think, look at individual performances here in just a minute, but – Oh my gosh! I like you said, Kevin, and like I like I said in last week's podcast, I feel I felt like the Broncos had to win both this game and the following game uh, against the Falcons in order for the season to be still attainable, playoffs to still be attainable. Let me say it that way, just based on the schedule and everything, kind of moving forward. And it looked like this was it. It looked like this was it. I mean, you know, one thing. One thing. The the, the, the Broncos did I that I thought was kind of a classless move is on Twitter this morning oh, they yeah. posted something saying good uh something and I'm paraphrasing <laughs> if I get it wrong good morning Broncos country accepts all you doubters. doubters and I'm like okay hold on this team was two and four playing another two and four team and we've been completely used to ineptitude for five years and you're going to be upset that we were doubting that we were going to win a game that we were down by 21 points in the third quarter. It's a little early to spike the football (laughs) as a franchise. And I would tell you that tweet does not come out. If Pat Bolin is still not in charge, not a chance. Oh, not that at is all. an example. Pat of Bolin's a, lack a classy of, guy. A lack of leadership that I've and, been and you've been saying pounding that. the table on for months and for weeks. I won't go into that again. Yeah, you've yeah, been saying like that, and this is just I think further proof of proof of that. Whoever is running their Twitter needs to be fired on the spot because uh, most of the haters, doubters are chill. Are, are most of the doubters are, are real fans? We were yeah, doubting because we we've doing. seen the product that they put on the field for five years. They should have of been course we're going to doubt. They should of have been course. the doubters. They should have been <laughs> doubting. <laughs> oh, man. So haters, if they'd use the term haters, completely different situation. That's, that's fine. It's fine to say something like, except haters, but doubters? Like, most of, your, most of the people who are doubting you are the same people that were hoping that you would pull it out, hoping that you would come through and get the win. Anyway, moving on from that. Just an absolute roller coaster of a game. I, you know, 
downhill. I mean, it was at rock bottom for most of the game. One of the worst offenses I'd ever seen through three quarters. Um, I was telling Ian during the game, there's no one on this on this offense other than Philip Lindsay. And then I kind of I kind of made the case for maybe Cortland Sutton and Garrett Bowles, but there's no one on this offense that I would have any problem with them trading away before the trade deadline. Like the way they had performed, I of course thought they were going to lose the game. And so I was like, okay, you know, season's over, may as well start trading pieces away. Um not to say that I really would have enjoyed that happening, but I could I could have understood and not been upset about anyone that was traded other than Phil Lindsay and maybe Sutton and uh, Bulls to a lesser degree. But then oh. something crazy happened. You have that locker room speech by Drew Locke. You have Phil Lindsay igniting everything with that 55-yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. You have Bryce Callahan getting an Great interception pick. in the end zone right after Locke had thrown an, an interception to keep the hope alive. And then it was like, what is happening here? So, yeah, first thoughts is just like, I think just like any other Denver Broncos fan right now, holy crap, what the F just happened is, is like Ian and I, we called each other right after the game. <laughs> that was our reaction. That was our first thoughts. Yeah, dude. What just happened? <laughs> what did we just watch? There Couldn't was still it. like a moment of decompressing and like just processing the game. So I want to take a, I want to take a I want to take a look at some uh, individual performances. Um, and Kevin, we'll start with you on this one. I just kind of want three uh, three players that you would highlight from this game. Uh, in any way, whether that is, you know, hey, great, this player stepped up and, and played really well, a player that maybe you thought didn't play as well, or just any kind of individual performance that you want to highlight. Go ahead, Kevin. Well, there, there was a bunch of players I could highlight on, on defense, but I'll stay on the offense since that's mm-hmm. the hot topic <laughs> these days. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Lindsay, you know, once again, the guys just proved to be invaluable. You know, we do not come back without that 55-yard scamper. We have to He pay. is such a catalyst, such a spark plug. Um, pay him. He, he, he just – the, the, the team just comes to life when he's out there giving it his all, and it's that true. was great. And then, and then I got to throw a little bit of love towards uh, 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 to, to Gordon. Uh, j- just one play in, in particular, and, and Ian mentioned it. It was that third down catch that he made in the fourth quarter. The final drive, yeah. I got to tell you, that is one of the – singularly greatest plays I've ever seen on a very, in a very in a very subtle way first off in a very it was short a game catch, right especially for a running back but yeah it, yes for a very mm-hmm. short game but the presence of mind as he's trying to bring the ball in and he's twisting and he and he extends the ball and gets us a first down by 2 inches I mean that's about the world's most greatest play you're ever going Realizes to find how close for a five he yard is game. First down, yeah, yeah. Just, just the presence of mind is what blew me. He clearly was sober on that play, um, just an <laughs> which is good news. When you... And then, 
you know, uh, so so Drew Locke obviously um, redeemed himself in 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 a lot of ways with with, with that with that comeback. Yeah. I think, yeah. You know, with, with, with Locke, you know, I am taking the the long view. You you almost have to, right? Uh, he's that was his yeah. uh, tense tense start. Um, and, and I'll I'll bring up something just just real real quick, and and you guys are gonna be you know probably rolling your eyeballs on this, but I heard it twice today. One on a podcast, and then I saw a little news article, uh, uh, an article about it, which. Mm-hmm. The um, that game was a little bit very reminiscent of a game in John Elway's rookie season. Now, you guys, you know, I know you know the history of the Broncos, but John Elway, when he came out of college, was considered the perfect prospect. Um, most yeah. people still consider consider him to be the greatest talent to come out of college um, ever, and can't miss. But guess what? He really missed his first year. Uh, in 1983, yes, he was he was bad. Not good. Yeah. In the 10th game of the season, he only had four touchdown passes. He had not thrown for over 200 yards. He famously lined up behind guard against the Chargers <laughs> in one of these games. He was terrible. People were calling him a bust. And Including myself, I was like, "What is going mm-hmm. on here?" It was we hard. It was dra- hard to believe when you hadn't we seen sh- anything at that level yet. We should have drafted Dan Marino. Dan Marino reminded me of the modern day um, the Chargers quarterback drawing a blank all of a sudden. Um, Herbert. Herbert. Yeah, Herbert. I mean, just lighten it up on the scoreboard. But anyway, so Elway comes out. They're, they're tenth game of the season. They're down nineteen to nothing. They haven't scored a single point in the fourth quarter against the Colts, in Denver. Elway throws three touchdown passes in the final 15 minutes, including a game winner on fourth down in the final moments. Yes. Mile High Stadium's <laughs> rocking. And that was the first time, it was his 10th game, that he showed a flash of brilliance. Where you think, mm-hmm. man, he's got something. He can't brought the team back. And he kind of got a glimpse of what he was capable of doing. And... You know, prior to that day, day Elway had struggled mightily. After that day, he continued to struggle somewhat. But we all know that he ended up being one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. Um, and I'm not saying that Drew Locke is going to be Elway, but it's 10th game, very similar. You had the whole world questioning Locke. A lot of people thinking, man, this guy <laughs> needs to be benched. Some of those thoughts are passing through my mind. Yeah. And then he comes back. And in the final 18 minutes, he's 16 for 20, 172 yards, and three touchdowns. So everything sort of changed for him. And then at the very end of the game, he's he's dancing. It's that, that swagger. So, you know, what Locke brings to the table is someone who is going to be a little slow to develop, Right in terms of understanding the pro game and his his, his reads and, and and all the things that are essential to becoming the long term franchise guy, uh, but I believe he's going to get there because he has the right mentality. Um, he's and got the intangibles. He's got these intangibles and, the and physical I believe, tools. And I believe the team 
believes in him. Now, if he doesn't come back yesterday, is he doomed? Probably not. But, man, oh, man, he really needed that, and the team needed that. So I would say that, you know, it's way too early to suggest that his three-touchdown performance in the fourth quarter will jumpstart his career like it did Elway 37 years ago. But there's reason to hope it's possible, right? I mean, he had his moment. Drew Locke had his moment yesterday. And it does give us long-suffering fans since Super Bowl 50 a reason to believe again. Indeed. Hit on a lot of points there. So the three players that I'm going to highlight, obviously you hit on Melvin Gordon, you hit on Philip Lindsay, you hit on uh, Drew Locke. Uh, before we move on, I just want to say Philip Lindsay, as we know, six carries, 83 yards, really ignited the team. Melvin Gordon, eight carries, 26 yards. I understand there was a big desire to have him kind of go off against his old team, his former team. And I kind of got that, kind of understood that. Um, but Melvin Gordon, or not Melvin Gordon, but Philip Lindsay is the best player on this team. It needs to be Philip Lindsay as the workhorse with Melvin Gordon being the guy that they rotate in, not the other way around. I mean, we just see the difference in the offense when Philip Lindsay's in the game. Even if he's not the one getting the ball, there is the threat that he's going to break off a big one like he did in this game. Melvin Gordon, to his credit, as I was saying to Ian, he's great at the goal line. He can come up with some great catches every once in a while. And that's exactly what I said to Ian right before he had that catch. Uh, to keep that final drive alive, um, is, hey, we can't write him off in every way. He just needs to not be the guy leading the attack like Philip Lindsay should be. Um, Drew Locke, biggest biggest word that comes to Mm -hmm. mind with him in regards to moving forward is consistency. He has to develop consistency because we can see, based on this game, based on the Houston game last year, the ability is there. He shows it in flashes. The ability is there. But he has to turn it into consistency. And, of course, that may take time with a guy like him. That was one of the reasons he fell to the second round of that draft is because, uh, not because he didn't have the ability, but because the thought was that he was going to take more time to develop. And that, as we are seeing, is... is uh, is is very much the case when you at least in the microwave league that we are accustomed to now, where you see guys like Justin Herbert go in and immediately start performing really well, or you know Lamar Jackson as soon as he started, or uh, Patrick Mahomes as soon as he started. Uh, a lot of the young guys as soon as they start, Mahomes. they start really kind of yeah. lighting it up, and that was kind of the one knock about Drew Locke is hey, I think he's going to need more time to develop. Um, but he's just got to turn it into consistency. We have a lot of high hopes about him, and those high hopes were starting to get dodged because one game in nine and three quarters, you know, one good game, one legitimately good game in nine and three quarters is rough. You got to have more than five good quarters in ten games. So the consistency has got to got to latch on he's got the ability he's got the swagger he's got the fire he's starting to step into his own in terms of leadership um 
but he's got to he's got to turn it into a consistent thing. Um, that's really I will say I will say this, and I agree. Yeah, go ahead. But, you know, one thing one thing about Locke. I don't know if you guys have stopped to look at this, but he has started and finished nine games in his short career, right? So barely a half an NFL season. Mm-hmm. In the games he started and finished, he's six and three. In all the other games dating back to last year, in all the games he didn't start and finish, Broncos are four and nine. So four and nine versus six and three. So he brings some intangible to that team. He does. Um, he does have the intangibles. That, 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 that sure. propels them. So it's a good floor, right? The guys seem to step up for him, believe in him. And once he's and by the way, I, I can throw out a lot of quarterbacks who didn't come in and start lighting it up. Yeah, Sam no, Darnold, Josh I, I, Rosen. Yeah, of course. Um, there's a bunch of guys that struggle as well. Yeah, but Josh but, yeah, Rosen you, has you, you, clearly you, showed that he's not a guy. So I mean, that one we can write off. And Sam Darnold's not showing much either, um, in his third year. Baker so those are not struggling too. Not your best examples. Uh, we have more of the classic examples like John Elway, like Peyton Manning. We have more classic examples like they'll get those guys. I was just talking about in the microwave league that we are kind of in now where guys the have immediate been gratification. You want instant results. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like that was the one knock on him is, you know, if you want to have a knock is that he was going to take a little bit more time to develop. Not to say that the stuff isn't there. But moving on to my three players. First one, first one I wanted to highlight um, is on the defensive side of the ball. Bryce Callahan. Bryce Callahan maybe the play of the game if you take out the Phil Lindsay play. Maybe the play of the game because right after that Phil Lindsay 55-yard touchdown run on the following drive, Drew Locke seems to kind of implode, doesn't see the safety under no pressure, throws a pick. That pick gets returned, I think to the Broncos 34-yard line, something like that. So 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 the Chargers have easy points. <sighs> field goal at least right Justin Herbert throws to the end zone to try to get to Tyrell Williams which had been working pretty well in this game prior and no AJ Boye because AJ Boye is out uh with a concussion unfortunately that actually may have happened later I, I'm I, I cannot remember in any case Bryce Callahan's got the one-on-one coverage with Tyrell Williams who is much larger than he is and he just makes an unbelievable play in the ball where it doesn't even look like he can see the ball hardly and just pins it to his face mask for the interception. <laughs> Without that play, we likely don't finish Wait. this. We don't have this comeback. Now, you can say that about a, a number of plays because it was late in the game. Every play had to be made. Um, but for Bryce Callahan to step up and play the way that he has, especially for the corners to continue to hold it down once A.J. Boye had gotten out um, with the concussion <laughs> by his own teammate, Kareem Jackson. Um, for him to for, for them to hold it down late in the game once A.J. Boye had gotten out uh, is just a testament to how well coached this team is defensively even with the young guys. And that's the thing about Fangio. Say what you will about his head coaching ability. I think his head coaching ability is still at least to this point, leaving a little bit to be desired, but not his defensive mind and his defensive coaching ability. He can take rookies and guys that are under the radar and turn them into pro bowlers every time he's taken over a team. I mean, you saw it with the Chicago Bears, even in the past when he was with the 49ers. I mean, he just does it 
every, every year in and year out. And Bryce Callahan, we were worried <clears> about him because he was injured all of last year, didn't get to see him play. How is he going to play when he comes back off the injury? He's a little undersized, and we're forcing him to play too much on the outside because of the injury to A.J. Boye early in the season as well as late in this game. But, man, he is he has really, really stepped it up in, 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 a, in a crazy way. Um, so that's number one. Number two I wanted to look at was Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy did not have a stat line that really jumps off the page, right? But he was consistently getting open in this game, even when Drew Locke wasn't delivering the ball. And here's another thing that a lot of people may not have even noticed. Ian and I, I know we both did. One play, Drew Locke, I think it was in the fourth quarter or or late in the third quarter, one of the two. Just still, even though Phil Blinsey had had that run, he still wasn't really coming alive. And he rolled out into pressure when he had a clean pocket, rolled out to his right, tried to throw it to Judy, and it just wasn't it wasn't it wasn't on target, it wasn't gonna be a catchable ball. And then Judy starts storming towards Locke, yelling. Oh yeah. That was yelling the, at Locke. That was the end of the third quarter. It was the okay, the end of the third Judy quarter. Judy snapped. He just snapped on Drew Locke. And I was and I, I, I immediately messaged Ian. I was like, Oh no, is he is Locke starting to lose the team now? Mm-hmm. And this was a credit to both Judy and a Locke, okay? Credit to Judy for not cowering, for not, you know, oh, it's a quarterback, you can't really, you can't confront him or whatever. He starts yelling at, yelling at Locke, and of course we don't know what was said. I'm thinking it's probably something along the lines of, hey, you gotta, you gotta get me the ball on time. Like, I'm getting open and you're not getting the ball to me on time, based on kind of the flow of the game to that point. That's what I would assume was probably said. Credit to Locke. Because he comes to Judy on the next play, and it's a yards. big play. <laughs> yep, forty-three yards. Um, but by the way, speak just real quick, uh, Austin. Speaking of Judy, I think this was mentioned during the broadcast <clears throat> yesterday. But through uh, what nine games? Uh, I'm sorry, through seven games, Judy has the best statistics of any rookie wide receiver in Broncos history. In other words, he's the only rookie through this number of games to have over uh, 300 yards uh, the, the, uh, other than Eddie Royal. Was, you guys remember him, of course. Who was talking about this way game back, yesterday. Yeah. Uh, way back, Rick uh, Upchurch in the 70s. Ooh, one of three amigos. So, it, it, and, and maybe that's an indictment on Broncos receivers But it's just kind of an interesting stat. It, Help me kind of think of his his, his uh, short career in a different way. Yeah, it's so. just like Demaryius Thomas. You know, he was a first round pick, but he was real slow to start his rookie season. Was injured yeah. for a lot of his rookie season, uh, yeah. and then kind of can't start to come alive at the end. Well, we saw but, his first game ever. Yeah, we did. So his first we game did in Jacksonville. Yep. yep, in Jacksonville. Um, but Judy, oh, the the credit to Locke is that he didn't cower and get down on himself when Locks or Judy started yelling at him is he something clicked because after that starting with the very next play after that Locks started to look decisive he started to trust the pocket I don't know what it was it was said but something was said on that sideline after that play by Judy 
and then suddenly Locke came alive. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was some sort of confidence. I I don't know. You can we can talk about speculate what it may have been, but man, so important for that. And then Judy, of course, had uh, several key catches throughout the the fourth quarter of that game. To um, mm-hmm. D- did we have any drops yesterday? Not that I saw. I don't know. We I know did- Judy didn't drop for a long time. We didn't have any accurate throws, but that's <laughs> obviously. But um, well, we we had 29, 26 completions. I don't remember a drop. I can't remember any that which were is clear, which is which is a good development for sure. Yeah, um, big time. Yeah, the last the last player, uh, and it's kind of a, a two headed player that I wanted to not two headed player, but kind of a two man team that I wanted to highlight is uh, Bradley Chubb, Malik Reed. Yeah. Our pass rush has come alive, like. There's just no read five sacks in three games. Yeah, amazing. They, they've come alive. Both of them have come alive. Now Bradley Chubb had a really, really, really dumb play in the fourth quarter where he face masked Justin Herbert when Justin Herbert was already down short of the line to gain, and yeah, that obviously one gave him a first down, <clears throat> gave them a field goal at least. I think it was a field. It was just a field goal. Yeah. Yeah, it was. But that could have ended up costing us a lot. Um. So that was dumb. But other than that, I mean putting the pressure on Herbert in key moments, Malik Reed getting getting there in key moments and they've they've each gotten a sack consistently over the last four games or three game four games. Started with the Jets game, right? And we're 3 and 1 starting with that in the last four games starting with that Jets game. Um and I and I've just the fact that that pass rush has come alive with the combination of Bradley Chubb and Malik Reed being that kind of diamond in the rough, just like Shaq Barrett was before we let him go. Uh, and I, I can imagine if we're in the playoff hunt and Vaughn Miller comes back in December and then we have all three of those guys able to rush the passer, that could really be a huge impact for a playoff push if we can win this week against the Falcons and really keep our hopes alive uh, for the playoffs, but those are my three guys that I want to talk about. Ian, I know you'll probably hit on some other ones that I want to hit on. So we'll go with you. Uh, I was going to start with Judy, kind of the same thing. Uh, had mm-hmm. statistically the best game. I think it was like four for 74. Um, yeah. Yeah. I liked how he yelled at him, uh, but this is why I like Locke is Locke. Uh, he is able to handle constructive criticism. He's not going to be one. Yes. Yeah. It's like, Oh, what was me? I'm having easy. That's an intangible. Like, that's one of those exactly. intangibles. That's, yeah. that's how you become a leader of a football team when, mm-hmm. when somebody on your team is like, look, just throw me the damn ball. I mean, it without you know, without being like Ocho Cinco like where you know where he's gotta be a diva. Yeah, there's there's a difference. Judy's not a diva. I mean, I watched <laughs> yeah, him for four years difference. in Alabama. That guy is a natural leader himself. Um mm-hmm. I was looking at Judy had a great game. For the four passes that he caught, um, one guy that nobody's talking about is my man Josie Jewell. Josie Jewell, another ten tackles again. Yes, wow. This guy yeah. is the quarterback of the defense. He's looking yeah. good this year. He's he looking really great. Is. I mean, I mean, look, I yeah. mean, whatever happened when Fangio came here. Man, that not missing Todd Davis. At I have no, 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 no. Yeah, he's got COVID not now. So <laughs> Davis does? He's got COVID. Yeah, he's got COVID. All, yeah, he, yeah, that. he was on the list with the Vikings. Although, yeah, jo- AJ Johnson has been up and down. So there's that. But go ahead with Jewel. Yeah, I, I go with Jewel. I, I do. I, I like. I like Johnson. 
Um, but Jewel's like just been too, but... Jewel's been just wherever the ball's at, that dude's just there. You see forty seven, they're close. He's, he's a tackler. Yeah. <laughs> and he's I like, thought, he, you know, he's like he's like a he's like a I will say Luke Keekley was better coverage wise, but he's like the same type of player that Keekley is. Yeah. Or right. was. Tenacious. Now Keekley another level, better, let's be real. I mean, let's he be was, real. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we can't we can't try to act like he's at Keekley's level, but but the same type of player is just wherever wherever you see the ball at, you see forty seven right there in the action. Um which is a huge testament and I, to his just intelligence it. of knowing where the play is going to be. And I loved it. And then I gotta give I gotta give the ball to Deshaun Hamilton. We've been trashing him all year. Yeah. And the guy came up with a crucial catch, even though dude fell down. But still, you know, he had that like I said, that that third and eight before the before the Philip Lindsay run was mm-hmm. crucial. If, if there was no catch there, there is no Lindsay run. That's true. That's true. That so third eight was yeah. a crucial conversion. Crucial. Even I, to be honest, might have been more crucial than the actual fifty-five yard run. That's Other a stretch. A, but I understand what I you're mean, saying. It's a stretch, but you know, <laughs> it's a stretch. But it's set up we'll for something it. that we didn't see coming. Yeah, and Hamilton. We, Both we've, were touchdowns. We've been huge critics of Hamilton here on D Bronx, and with good for reason what? for, for most three of his years. Career. For three yeah. years, we've been dropped on too his, many critical dropped, passes, and, and even this year has dropped critical passes. And so, oh yeah, it was great to see him finally start making big plays and big catches and big moments. And, and, and by the way, here's a bonus: KJ Hamler. Yes, now, I was actually going to touch on KJ Hamler. He, so the final play of the game, yeah. and let's give Schumer uh, a shout out here, right? Sure, very questionable in terms of what he's doing, uh, big picture wise. Yep. <laughs> but you know, it's the last play of the game. He called a pretty good play. Uh, Locke rolls out, so Locke's got the option to run it in or pass. And as the defender moves towards him, he hits Hamler. Now, Hamler has to come down with the catch. Yep. Yeah. He does have to come down with the catch. And, he's and he a has rookie. to come down inbounds. He had and to break off of his man so- and come down inbounds. And Hamler, for all of his skills – is it known to have the greatest hands in college? He had a ten percent drop rate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that was look. He's a professional receiver. He should catch that a hundred percent of the time. But it was still nice to see him bring it in for the game winner to help his confidence and hopefully propel his career. That's a great moment for him. I think this Amen. game should actually be labeled as the butt cheeks game. The butt cheeks game. Because <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't for them butt cheeks. We would have lost Butt that game. Butt cheeks landed in the end zone, man. <laughs> that was cru- crucial on that and the Albert O touchdown. And the Albert O, yeah. Sure. The, uh, yeah, that Hamler catch was was obvious. I mean, to say it's clutch is a vast understatement. But I didn't. I thought. Yeah, I, I honestly thought they were going to run the ball. I I really thought that was a gourd they were going to run when, when he a designed quarterback when run. He, when I think he, it was a designed quarterback option. Yeah, yeah, it looked it like yeah, it if looked the like guys stayed back, he was able to run it in. If they peeled off to try and get him, he just throws it in. And I literally uh, when when he out. ran off to the right, I was like, "Oh no!" Yeah, I was I was worried. <laughs> I'll be honest. I don't know about you guys. I had no doubt they were going to win this game. Oh, when I saw when, well, I didn't. <laughs> you mean I when you mean because doubt. you started watching it after we had already been like talking about it no, in no. the chat? I tuned you guys no, out you at some point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did. I, I shut off all notifications. So when I watched the game, 
I knew we were getting hammered up through the third quarter, but okay. I didn't know the outcome. But then when I saw us driving down the field at the end, I just felt it in my bones. Oh, we were we're going to win this game. A, momentum was on our side. B, we're playing the Chargers. And I'm going to save a, ch- a couple interesting Charger statistics for checkdowns. Checkdowns we are going to get to. Well, Lin- Lindsey said he knew he, we were going to win after he ran that 55-yard touchdown. He said, I knew we were going to win. He just, I just felt, he goes, he said, I felt like a, ch- a change in the air. It was. It was a momentum shift and a significant one at that. Um, couple, A couple other things I just wanted to highlight before we move to the checkdowns is Kareem Jackson, man on fire. That dude set the tone on the defense in the uh, second half, uh, including taking out his own guy. In he AJ was taking Boyer. out. He literally took out everybody. He pinned his ears back. I don't care if, if he uh, he would have taken people. out Shermer. He would have taken out Fangio. <laughs> just, just start hitting everybody. <laughs> I was like, I was like, hold on. Was he, is this guy like a murder hornet? Like we were talking about it. I was like, he was like, yo, he knocks out AJ Boye, and then like two plays later. Knocks out another guy. Yeah. And I'm like, I was like, you know what? I just think if if you're on the sideline next to Cream Jackson, just give him about five feet. Steer clear. So just wanted to just just touching him quickly on these things. Uh, Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons, another pick. Our safety duo is starting to really look like our safety duo from last year again, uh, which is huge for this team in order to be successful and try to obviously come back from our bad start and, push for the playoffs uh so that's been huge garrett bowles uh has continued to play well but no mike munchak immediately three penalties weird how big of a role mike munchak plays uh in terms of uh garrett bowles playing intelligently but uh yeah i i don't think it's gonna be an issue i'm not worried about it long term but you just kind of saw that in this game that he slightly reverted with mike munchak not being uh on the sideline there um, Fangio, a uh, shout out to him. I thought he coached really well, especially cause he had to take on the added duty of defensive play calling with Ed Donatel being in well. COVID, uh, protocol, um, right before this, you know, a couple days before this game. So he had to take over the, the defensive play calling. Um, and yeah, just all around the, the effort was in my opinion, just, Unbelievable. The team didn't give up. Yeah. They had a lot of fun. Yeah, fight. yeah. You and you, in order to not give up, you have to believe. You have to believe there's a chance. Yep. And and you kind of saw the defense start to slack off a little bit, but as soon as they got that one touchdown, they were right back in it. Even though they were still down by at that point, they were still down by uh, multiple touchdowns. <sighs> uh it gave them something to believe in, it gave them something to fight for. Uh and and you have to believe in order to uh to want to do that, so yeah. I also, uh, saw, so, yeah, I saw the d- defense kind of lose it. You know, they started acting lackluster. Started to kind of yeah. We talked about that, and I was like, oh man, that's the last thing we need. Yeah, hopefully AJ Boye will be healthy. Obviously, he's in concussion protocol right now, so uh, we don't want to lose him for a long amount of time, especially because Matt Ryan is still Matt Ryan, even if the defense is terrible. Yeah, uh, and, uh, in Atlanta, and Ridley's Ridley, and uh, Jones is Jones. Julio Jones, yeah. So <laughs> we need we need the corners for sure. We definitely need the corners. Another name I wanted to mention, Mike Purcell. That Could have used him. Was our run defense apparently? We just gave up over 200 yards of rushing. 200 yards just rushing. As soon as Mike Purcell goes out, um, 
and is no longer and you know, Justin on IR Jackson and, and who's the other guy? Joshua Kelly, Justin yeah, Jackson, Joshua and Kelly, Pope. Yeah. Pope. Oh yeah, but, oh yeah, but yeah, but, Pope. but guess who Pope got knocked out? Kareem uh, Jackson know, came know, that Jackson. Moving on. <laughs> so this week, obviously, we're going to be uh, hitting on the Falcons game here in just a minute. But before we get there, just want to do our weekly checkdowns segment. Uh, we got a few here. We got some fun ones, and we got some not so fun ones. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll actually just I mean since I'm here, I'll go ahead and get get it started here uh, with my with my first weekly checkdown, and that is um, for the first time in his pro career. This is actually per Mike Clay on Twitter. Uh, for the first time in his pro career, Jerry Judy was not the Broncos' slot receiver yesterday. This is mm-hmm. the first time. This year, obviously in his career, that he was not the slot receiver. Uh, he he was aligned outside on 34 of 38 routes. KJ Hamler was the one who ended up taking the slot position, which is honestly, this is how I thought it was going to play out prior to the season. Ju- but Judy and Hamler were both uh, slot receivers primarily in college. And that's a big reason Judy was used so much in the slot. But I think... We saw it. He's got the ability to play outside, and maybe that's where he needs to stay uh, for the most part moving forward. Uh, Kevin, why don't you go ahead and hit us with a with a check down. Okay, so interesting uh, stats regarding our uh, division foe, the Chargers. Okay. Over Going back to last year, the Chargers have been involved in 17 games that have been decided by seven points or less far and away the most number of close games in the NFL. In those 17 games, the Chargers are 3 and 14. Okay? <laughs> now, adding so insult bad. to injury, it, this is even more uh, shocking, right? This year, including the game yesterday, the Chargers have had second half leads of 17 or greater points three times and lost all three of those games that has never happened in the 100 year history of the nfl (laughs) 100 years no team has lost and by the way we're not even halfway through the season they they may stack up a few more of these um so yeah uh, thank goodness the chargers uh are the chargers they have a flashy quarterback but they haven't really changed all righty, Ian. Let's hear it. Mm, this is one that you posted, but I knew about. Okay. Andrew Mason, the Broncos come back today, snapped a 46-game losing streak dating back to 2000. They trailed by that... more than 14 points going into the fourth quarter. Isn't That's that insane. ridiculous? 20 years. 20 years. That's insane. 20 years. It, it goes back to Elway's days. <laughs> it does. <laughs> It that does. one goes as well, the LA was years, gone yeah, is when goes, this started. Yeah, that goes yep. back to the greasy days. So that shows that even Peyton Manning didn't do this. Now, of course, Peyton Manning had that 2012 game where we overcame the 24-point deficit against, against the Chargers. The Chargers. Mm-hmm. None other than. But by the way, it, statistics can be somewhat misleading. Uh, during the Manning years, um, boy, we, we just weren't in a deep hole. 
uh, in a lot of games. Oh, I yeah, mean, yeah, that's that's a big part of it. We were it was rare that we were down by more than fourteen or fourteen or more right. by the time it got to the fourth quarter, unless we just ended up losing the game. Um, so Fangio was asked if he considered benching Locke in this game, mm-hmm. who had gone 43, 43 straight possessions without a touchdown pass. Fangio's response was no, it was never in consideration. The thought did not cross my mind. I call a liar. <laughs> yeah, the, how did Mike Kliss know about it this? Crosses yesterday? the mind. <laughs> Even if you didn't want to do it because you're sticking with your guy, I promise you after 43 straight uh 43 straight possessions, no touchdown passes. We were talking it, about that it, at it, halftime. It, it, Mike Kliss yes. dropped that one. Well, we had talked about it had been it had been eleven quarters. In eleven quarters, they had gotten one touchdown as an offense. Mm-hmm. Eleven Brutal. quarters. Um, so yeah, it definitely, definitely had been talked about or thought about at least. Uh, moving on. Go ahead, Kevin. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, I will be in attendance at the Broncos Falcons game this Sunday in Atlanta. Yes. I will be doing some reporting I really want to on be behalf there. of DeBronx uh, podcast. I'm really excited to be there. It will obviously be uh, a strange uh, environment. I'll be one of only a few thousand people in attendance. And oh, by the way, I used to live in Atlanta in the mid to late 90s. I attended a Broncos Falcons game. I had to look this up. It was September 29th, 1997. Uh, Broncos beat the Falcons 29 to 21. The 1997 season was the season the Broncos went on to win their first Super Bowl. Of course, they beat the Packers that year. Yeah. So I'll be returning. Uh, what is that? 23 years later. It's a it's a new stadium. Yep. Uh, but it should be should, it should be really exciting. Uh, and fun uh, to be there, and I can't wait to talk about it next Monday. Yeah, looking forward to that. I definitely wish – I know this was last minute, kind of spur of the moment. Definitely would have tried to plan to go to that if we had known Yeah, sure, I'll will be there. But uh, I even looked up flights just in case. Like I, like when you told me, I looked up flights just in case. Uh, just not, not doable this time. Uh, Ian, go ahead. Oh, here's another one that you actually posted, but I was I, I watched the um, the after game press conferences when AJ Hamler said, "This is where legends are made." Oh. I thought that was good because I was oh, like, nice. I was like what are, we, "Are we are we watching like a, a, a like a movie?" Because I mean, it was yeah. so it was so funny. Like that's something you hear from like you know you know a great like football movie. Um, yeah, like, you know him saying that and then catching the game winner. One play, one second. He says that in the huddle. This, this, is, this is where legends are made. Are made. And then he makes wow. the catch. And he said he's never had a game winner his entire career. That's never, great. He's never had a game winner. So I was like, I like, I like to hear like that's what people say. Like it's not like an actual movie moment. Like yeah. AJ Hamlin's and then this is what legends are made of, and you're like. Wow, this is like a movie, and then you actually get the ball. That's crazy. <laughs> I yeah, thought it was, was great. Game. I thought it was great. <laughs> um, did you guys? So, Kevin, uh, did you have any more checkdowns for us? 
Well, I, two, two quick thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, call them check downs. Number one, um, and we, we, we do a good job of staying off politics on this show, and I'm not going to jump into that discussion necessarily, but remind our listeners uh, and, and you two guys that tomorrow is uh, election day. It is. And if, and if you're unsure of who to vote for, <laughs> I want you to think about Broncos linebacker, A.J. Johnson. Okay. You guys figure it out yet? What's his number? 45. Think about A.J. Johnson. 45th. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We know where you're going. (laughs) Oh, we're going to move on quickly. We're going to move on very quickly. No, it's right. The last last thing I would say, and, you know, in podcasts, you know, three years, five years, who knows, eight, ten years from now. I only hope and I sincerely believe that we will come back we will look back at this game and it'll be like, hey, remember that game against the Chargers way back when we were getting killed and we were like ready to throw ourselves in front of a, uh, a moving automobile. <laughs> and we and Locke was a bust and everything. Chainsaw. And here we are. Yeah. Here we are. Locks our franchise you know what? quarterback. This could be the turning point. This could be that confidence boost that he needs. Now he's going against the fourth worst secondary in the league next week against oh, the Falcons. Yeah. People just so hopefully this he though. can continue the fourth quarter into the next game and start to see some of that. Absolutely. And, and, and let's hope that uh, Patrick's back. That'll help too. That will help a lot. And AJ Boye. Hopefully. I ordered a hat yesterday. He said uh, it was basically Trump's thing. It says uh, make make Broncos great again. <laughs> that's awesome, actually. That's great. Uh, we are hoping that that will happen very soon. That's why I'm going to uh, start wearing it every week. Two quick things. Just just two real quick things that I wanted to hit on, and then we are uh, moving into the Falcons game. I just want to get some quick predictions on the Falcons game. Um, so, first of all, the Broncos are actually bringing in a uh, center – Center, right guard, um, veteran John Jalapio. Yeah, I hope I'm saying his name correctly. He's played with us before. He's been on our practice squad before. Yeah, he's been on the practice squad before. He's flying to Denver, starts COVID testing tomorrow. We'll test for a week. He was Pat Shermer's starting center for the New York Giants uh, all of last year. So has plenty of experience and part of 2018 as well. And so he knows Pat Shermer's offense. We'll probably start off on the practice squad and then probably move into um, move into their primary backup in the middle, in the middle of the offensive line, and could potentially supplant Lloyd Cushenberry if Cushenberry doesn't step it up here in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that was that was the first thing I wanted to hit on. Um, the last thing I wanted to hit on. Just before we move over to the Atlanta game, get some real basic uh, predictions on that. We talked about Eddie Royal earlier. Oh, yeah. Eddie Royal posted on Twitter and could not agree with it more. Says the Broncos should value Phil Lindsay more than they do. He represents everything you want out of a Bronco. Could not have said it better myself. Eddie Royal gets it. Eddie Royal, no, Eddie Royal knows what it means to be a Bronco, and he knows what it means to be a Bronco under uh, Pat Bolin. 
Okay. Yep. Important distinction to make. Coming um, from a guy that I never wanted to leave the Broncos and went to be a Charger. Yeah, he did end up being having a <laughs> little bit longer career as a Charger. But Eddie Royal, as as you see with a lot of players, if they come to Denver, whether they stay there or move on, they end up staying a Broncos fan the rest of their lives. Had one of the be- I literally had one of the best rookie seasons of any Bronco wide receivers ever had. I mean, he only Good missed number one nine. Yeah, yeah, he only missed uh, yeah number nineteen. He only missed a uh, thousand yards by three yards. Yep, nine hundred ninety-seven so, yards. So obviously, it was it was imperative that we win this game against the Chargers to stay in the hunt. I know, Ian, you were talking about they needed to split these two games. I was adamant they need to win both of them. Got the first one out of the way in the scariest of fashions. Falcons. Uh, Falcons just got one of the starting cornerbacks off of IR, which their secondary is bad. Makes them, I guess, slightly better. Um, can't remember. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Obviously, they still have Matt Ryan. Julio Jones has been balling out the last couple weeks. Uh, they uh-huh. beat the Panthers last week. Uh, Panthers are not a pushover team yeah. by any stretch. Um, so they're 2-6. and six. But they're two and six primarily because they keep they've blown a lot of late games like the Chargers do. Um, just unbelievable, some of the things that have happened and them losing these close games. So uh, I don't want to spend. I, we unfortunately don't have time to spend much time talking about it. But I do at least want to get a prediction. All three of us predicted them to win the Chargers game. Which hallelujah, even as bad as it looked, we ended <laughs> up winning the game. Um, so I want to start with Ian just quickly. Uh, just a main point and a prediction. Go ahead. Well, hopefully we have AJ Bouye back because we're going to need that guy for coverage. Um, but I think I think we still win this game. Uh, twenty four twenty one. Um, just because they are, j- it's just a horrible defense. Yeah, and if they, if they if they if they ride this kind of win the next week i think we can take them out i mean because i mean they, i mean they might, they might they might start out at the beginning of the game up you know 10 or 14 points but like we've seen from them you know you can be up 30 points on they can be up 30 points on you and they'll just you know lose it yeah um, I am also going to predict them to win this game, but it is going to be hard to win this game. I just think with the comeback, I think that's really is going to spark the locker room. I think that's going to really spark the unity. We've been lacking a lot of leadership in this game. I think, I think, I think they're going to wise up and start using more of Philip Lindsay. Um, I think it's going to, I think this game, this fourth quarter is probably set a fire in a drew lock, giving him a big confidence boost, give the whole mm-hmm. team a confidence boost. And I think that, I think the defense is still going to do what the defense does. Uh, and that they, they've been playing really well. And I think that's going to continue. You can still, if you get pressure on Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan's a great quarterback, but if you get pressure on him, you can force him into some mistakes um, for sure. So uh, I do think that we win this game uh, and that'll put us at four and four at the midway point with the Raiders after that, mm. Miami Dolphins with Tua after that, mm-hmm. and the New Orleans Saints. And, and Those not, are all winnable games. The they're Saints all winnable, they're all hard. winnable games, but they're all pretty hard. If we can go if we can go three and one, if we win this game against Falcons, I know I'm kind of 
getting ahead of myself. But if we can go three and one in this next four game stretch, uh, that'll put us at six and five entering the final stretch of the season. Yep. Um, and hopefully healthy all across the board. So, um, you know, except for guys that are on season ending IR, but mm-hmm. I do predict that we're going to win this game, but I do think the offense is going to really, really, really have to step up and continue the momentum from the fourth quarter. You can't have three quarters of awful, horrendous play again. It's just not going to happen week in and week out. So I think this is going to be a high scoring game. I think it's going to be 37, 34 Broncos win. You know they actually have it. They have a. They have a, oh. they have a, right. a as a four point underdog. Four point underdog. Yes. Go ahead, yep. Kevin. So, um, yeah, I really think the Broncos need to evaluate how they game plan on offense and effectively nurture Drew Locke. I believe he has three complete games with Shermer as his OC, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been sputtering. Uh, for the most oh, part, yes. other than the end of that last game. So, you know, my sense is they're being overly restrictive uh, with the play calling. If they continue to do that, I think Locke's going to flounder. When they let him be himself, I think he will thrive. Um, let him take chances. Uh, it may be ugly at times, uh, but that's his game, and we've got to go with it. Um, so, you know, a lot of intensity, and, and, and it's going to be – uh, got to be into the offensive game planning. They got to figure out what kind of personality this team's going to have on offense. I agree with some things we've said earlier. Let's make sure that Lindsey is out there <laughs> as much as possible. The offense runs. Um, through him. It does. But you know, uh, you know, at the end of that game, you know, uh, Locke broke the Schumer shackles, um, and and things began to go our mm-hmm. way. So we'll see. Now, what I would say in terms of prediction, the Falcons have a potent offense. They're averaging 26 points a game. We're going to have to put some points on the board, um, and I think we will. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I like the Broncos, even though we're traveling to the East Coast. I think we're going to pull out a very close 28-27 to 27 game. Ooh, another one-pointer. Another one-pointer, yeah. <laughs> you want to give me another heart yep. attack. That is, and, Yeah, another one that just yeah drops one of us. <laughs> just dropped one of us where we stand. Uh, I agree with a lot of those points. One, the one I would say this: Pat Shermer has not been game planning very well, but I, I, I certainly don't oh. want to put a, too many of Drew Locke's struggles on Pat Shermer, because here's the thing: Locke has had a bad habit this year of locking onto one guy, and if it's not there, he immediately starts to scramble, and then oftentimes runs from a clean pocket into pressure where then he has to throw it away or take a sack or get one yard, you know, like, uh, so I, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of Drew Locke truly struggling and Pat Shermer needs some cohesion needing yep. to yep. And time. a better game plan. And time. Yeah. So anyways, that is our predictions for this, uh, this game coming up this weekend against the Atlanta Falcons. We all are predicting a Broncos win. Like we did uh, last week, so hopefully we... Last week we did, so you can put money on it, clearly. I yeah. don't want to say we that. We know exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so thank you for uh, tuning in this week to D-Bronx Podcast. Follow us, like, sub- subscribe, whatever it is you like to do on Spotify or Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is, wherever it is you like to listen to your podcasts. Uh, be sure to give us a share as well. Uh, that helps us a lot. And from Kevin, from Ian, from myself, thank you for listening to D-Bronx Podcast. We're out.